Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. It is another digital episode, as you can tell. We're very excited to be here at the Deadbolt Mystery Society studio. You know who I am. It's Zach, obviously. But with me, as always, is... It's Jared. Hi, Jared. How are you doing today? I'm good. I have a question for you. Okay. When you hear that music, it makes me want to dance, like the intro music. I do like a slow jam, but then specifically when the beat starts dropping and like the bass kicks in, is it, definitely when I do like... It gets real. Yeah, I, I get the real jamming going. Do you fashion yourself a good dancer? No. No? I just don't have any fear, so I say yes to that. Like if you catch me at a wedding, like I'm out there on the dance floor. Well, I was going to say your, your YouTube of you at your own wedding oh, yes. went very popular. So. That, yes, that is my one claim to fame, but then even that has been stripped from the internet due to music yep. copyright law, so... You know, every everyone has their time to shine, and mine's over, Zach. Yeah, and every kiss begins with K. Every kiss, and it can only be Jared. Yes. That's true. Uh, but we're going to move on to what we're going to be discussing about on this show. This week's episode is actually on U-Escape. Yes. We were able to play game 9 and 10. We've also played in the past, I, I believe you and I both have at least played the first three. Yes. Yeah. And then I think I've played 4 and 5, if I'm correct, so... Host and a wealth of knowledge here on you escape. Oh yeah. Uh, well stick with us. We're going to get into it. Hey friends, Jared here asking you to join our Patreon community. Monthly support is a great way to help us in our mission of growing the at home puzzle and mystery world. So check out our show notes or go to patreon.com and search Puzzling Company and find the membership level that's right for you. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. As you know, we are in the Deadbolt Mystery Society studio. We are now in the section of the show where this is just kind of a fun part for me and Jared. This is where we get to talk about our likes about the game, our room for improvements, and so on. This is not a section to dog on the company or to ridicule anyone. It's just for feedback and criticism. Jared, I'm going to throw it to you. Can you tell us a little bit about this game, but also maybe some other stuff? Absolutely. I Before we jump in, thanks for mentioning this, Zach. I want to be very open and outright that we have a business relationship with you, Escape. At least I do at the Escape Rooms. The story of that is... During the pandemic, we were looking like a lot of escape rooms to do an online game. And I turned to Nick, the owner and creator of Escape, because I wasn't really digging the slap a GoPro onto our employees and Telescape was still in its infancy. So I reached out to Nick. I said, hey, during this whole pandemic thing, let's bring your games to the U.S. And that's what we did. And you remember, Zach, me in my garage while the escape rooms were closed up till ungodly hours playing these games out of my garage. The amount of games we built in your garage yes, alone for memories. For you escape. But that relationship still continues today. I do have an ongoing financial arrangement with Nick, and we just wanted to be forthright. But I've already promised Nick that we will not spare him from any scathing criticisms that mm -hmm. we had. But yeah, you escape is it's one of the OGs of the online escape room world in terms of having a live game master. We're mm -hmm. going to talk a lot about live game masters today, but it's a little bit different than what you may be thinking if you've played other games. Most of the live interaction takes place on a static camera with items that sit on top of a table that you are commanding your game master to interact with. And then everything else happens through Google Documents, whether it be images, audio, video, or pointing you to different URLs all over the World Wide Web. And it is at that intersection that we have played our games. Mm -hmm. So Zach, kick us off with what did we like about this game? Yeah, so one of the first things that we really enjoyed about this game was the deep and intricate puzzles. This game is difficult. People will think this is a negative and a positive. It is definitely a positive and has its negative effects, but what we will say about it in terms of it being a very positive thing, if you like doing more intricate puzzles or looking for a challenge, 
these games bring it. Yes. Specifically, we're going to talk more about 9 and 10, because that's what we played just recently. Um, 1, 2, and 3 do have difficulty to them, but it's a little bit less than 9 and 10, and at least in my opinion. But these games are difficult. If you want a puzzle that's going to take you 10 minutes of looking at two different URLs and trying to draw a figure while also writing down the coordinates of this, while also trying to create the shape... This game will make you do that. If you want to do a Rubik's Cube puzzle where you have to move it in multiple directions, you might also have to deal with something like that. And it's funny because the name of these two games is innocent enough. It's The name of the game is called Colors. Yep. And you're like, great. Colors 1 and Colors, colors 2. Colors 1 and Colors 2. You're like, that might be great. But no, it kicked our butt. It came down to seconds on the clock and a helpful smattering of hints and guidance during this game. But I agree with you. What I think the puzzles do so well is it's one puzzle, but it's very multi-stepped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have one main objective, which is like to get the answer so you beat the game. But then you have to solve a bunch of mini steps to get that. And it is funny how how innocent the game really is in terms of also it's like narrative with it being about like you're a school teacher trying to prove yourself to the students of like these are all like very gifted students very and, gifted students. so it, it's just very intriguing you're like oh it's like kids making a games for you and they're like crazy insane puzzles and you're like okay well this is like nuts but it was really fun like i definitely enjoy more intricate puzzles it's definitely my favorite thing to like be quiet sit at my desk and just like zone out. i say zone out but i'm like zoning into the work zone out everything else and just focus and try to get something done. Yeah, I agree with you. If you call yourself a puzzle person, you escape, especially in its later games, is a must because you will find that challenge. It will scratch that itch that you're looking for because it's also difficult, in my opinion, Zach, to find good, hard puzzles. Yeah. For the most part, these are good, hard puzzles, and they require a lot of attention to detail and take you to some really cool places. I, I really like that. I want to throw it to you to talk about our second one because I think most of what we're talking about is the intricacies of what happens through Google Docs and the websites, but there's another really good part of you escape. Yeah, so the second thing we really enjoyed is, I'm going to say, the Zoom element or the live table element of the game. So this game does involve a Zoom call or a, I think they mostly just use Zoom. Yes. But it is using this camera to present a table full of things that you will need to complete your game you know so like on our table it was a bunch of different colors random colored blocks with words on them a little like whiteboard that had information on it and it is full of very i would say very well thought out elements what i really enjoyed is it felt like everything on the table mattered because it does yes the way that it is presented through the camera i thought was pretty well done for what it is you know like there's not craziness you can do with that technology when it comes down to baseline camera table element, you know, like in items. Yes. But I thought it was really well done. But then the other part is that that stuff matters enough that you need to care. You know what I mean? Like, yes. because sometimes it's, and I don't mean that like in a bad way. It's just like sometimes in games like this, where there's more intricate puzzles, where they give you a lot of like, I'm going to give it almost more puzzle hunt elements where yes. they're like, here's three like URLs and a picture and a note that tells you how to solve this. I get way too focused on that and I'm like really focused. But then I realize that there's a very small hint on a piece of paper that's on the whiteboard on the Zoom call. And you're like, oh, like that mattered. Or like I got really lucky because I don't want to spoil the puzzle. But there is a certain puzzle at the very beginning of Colors 1 that I just had no idea. Like I was like, what are you trying to look for in this? It's just a bunch of like different colors and a diagram. And I was like, this doesn't really make sense in terms of. I know what the mini question's asking me to solve, but like, how am I supposed to get that information, you know, without just guessing? And then I realized there's a very small thing on the board and I was like, oh my gosh. And I noticed it, but I wanted my best to not let Jared know that I like had my aha moment. So I solved it. And then the game master and even Jared alone were like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, I solved it. I got it. That's uh, always my weakness is I always get so caught up in the non live screen yeah. And that I forget what's on there. And I would say more so in the earlier games I've played, there's actually some really cool interactions that you have to instruct the game master yes. to do. I didn't find that as much in nine and 10, but in games one through three, especially there's some really cool things that you have to figure out. Yeah. I think I remember in Magnum Opus, there's like one or two moments that I thought was really cool yes. in terms of the live element factor. 
So I think they do a good job of balancing that. And I, and I like that a lot, but I will say if you are going to play this game for first time, don't forget to look at the live screen. Oh, you Cause that to. is my biggest kryptonite in every single one of these games to the point where I'm like, oh, okay, fine. I need a hint. And the game master is always like, well, why don't you take a look at what I've zoomed in on, on the live screen? I'm like, like, dang, dang it. it. Dang it. I totally forgot about that. Well played. Well played. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm on board hundred percent with what you're saying, but I, I really think what makes all of this go, and this is our final, what we really enjoyed about this is the game mastering. Yep. It's really interesting. These are not escape games. They're not even fully live avatar games, but they kind of come together at what Zach was saying. They're like part puzzle hunt, part escape room, part online game. Mm-hmm. And to game master such a thing you have to be so on it, yep. in my opinion, because with the level of intricacy, you have to know like, okay, what URL are you on? Okay, what are you looking at? Can you share your screen? Like our game master, Beth, just did such a great job. And again, a shed of transparency here. Beth is also one of our employees at the escape rooms, and we love her as a game master there as well. But I have stepped away from doing these for so long and she's kind of spearheading that when she was doing it, it was just like, well, you're, you're, you're really great at this. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. It wasn't like a, you know, we were being nice because we know Beth. I mean, I think Beth genuinely did a good job compared to a lot of like game mastering I've seen in some other live action game or live, like live avatar games I've played. Right. Absolutely. And, and I just think it's, there's, I think almost 20 games that she has to know. Mm-hmm. Like that's how many you escape games are out there. That's crazy. And just the level of communication and helpfulness and all of that. And that's not just when Beth is, but you know, we played our original games with Nick, the creator, yeah. and he is a wonderful game master as well. There's, yep. I think there's just a rich appreciation and a rich teaching in you escape that if you're ever wondering what it's like to be a good game master, go play a U escape game and you will fundamentally understand the care and the depth of knowledge and detail of what it takes to do that job very well, because this is not a very narrative driven role. The game master plays very little role in narrative in this game. We're going to talk about a little bit of that in room for improvement, but they are so on it. Like just imagine the world's most complicated escape room. And that's what they're running 20 of those and doing a lot of customer service in between. So I just think it's a commendation to Nick and to Beth and to the future of people that are going to be running those games. Yeah, I agree. And the last thing I was going to say is it's like the game mastering in U Escape has to be the foundation because if it's not a good foundation, the rest of it crumbles. It's a great in point. my opinion on how U Escape games function. Yes. Like game mastering, I would say carries the rest of it. Like a very good game master makes me not it makes me appreciate all the things I like. And then when we get in for the room for improvements, the things that I might've struggled with. No, no, I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. So Zach, where do we land then on where we felt like there's some room for improvements? Oh baby. I'm excited for this part. Now, uh, let me be very clear. I'm not doing this to dog Nick or you escape. You know, I very much appreciate the games and I really like it, but I'm going to be brutally honest on one of my opinions. The Google Drive format of you escape is not fun. Yeah. It is just not my, and maybe it's just a personal thing. I know when I talked to Jared, Jared agreed to somewhat of the same degree, you know, but what is frustrating for me about it is that as a comparison, Telescape, it has been able to present and immerse me in the game while I'll be able to have elements that play throughout the program you know, there isn't a lot of like website in between or like the puzzle hunt field in most telescapes, but that's a comparison of another style of online games that has maybe a, like an avatar or a game mastering element thrown in, right? My issue with the Google Drive is it's not immersive at all. Nothing makes me more frustrated in terms of a game where I want to really get into it when I open up the game and it's three folders in Google Drive and then I open those up and it's 10 pictures and there's a PDF that's 85 pages long, but then there's notes that give me links to what, not even the link to the website. I have to like copy and paste those into the, my, my, you know, my URL. And it's just very unfortunate in terms of what I think could be more immersive or a more friendly user face. Yeah. Like, I, I totally agree with that. It, it is 
hard to navigate between all of the tabs that you have open for an objective and then remember the live screen, like I said, which I struggle with, but it's just not, it's not very user-friendly because even as smooth as most Google products is, not even like Nick's creation fault. It's just not fun to filter through sometimes. Sometimes you're having to download things. Sometimes based on what browser you're using, it's not the friendliest. And I totally agree with you. It is not in any way, shape, or form immersive. Like I said, I, and I think it is just unfundamentally more Google Drive than I think it is Nick, you know, or Escape's yes. thing. It's just like a perfect example is in one of the games, we have to find a an animal. And I won't tell you too much about the puzzle. But you have to find an animal, but they give you an 85-page PDF that is in Google Drive, right? Yes. You search through it, but then meanwhile, Google Drive, right, unless you download it or find a way to open it up on another window on your browser, it goes away the moment you click out of it. Yes, it does. So then the issue becomes, right, let's say you're scrolling to page 49 of the PDF and you don't download it, but you just want to keep it there. Yes. You do that, you get to 49, you go, oh, crap, I forgot my note. That's in the other file. I have to click out of that, go look at my my note, open that up, you know, and let's say, you know, you don't save or find a way to open it up on another browser. You look at that and you go, okay, and then I close that. Then I go back to the PDF. The PDF starts back at page one and I have to scroll the way down to page 49 or whatever page it was. It's just not friendly. It's very unfortunate in terms of like, I was really enjoying the puzzles, but then it felt like at moments I was like, crap, I know I'm gonna have to like go through this document again and scroll down and then go find this. And there's inherent things that I know Nick wants you to shortcuts help. Like he wants you to know to control F to find a word. You may not know how to do that. And Google complicates all of that. I just wish that there was something a little more streamlined that this could all be put into. And I know that the reason that he doesn't use Telescape is because everything that he does is URL based and Telescape just does not let you jump from that to pulling up a tab on the internet. Sure. Uh, which is which is really, really difficult. But it, it's almost a learning curve of its own. Like yep. if you're playing these monthly, you'll probably get pretty familiar with using Google Drive and can navigate it. But like I said, I've played the first five games, took a four to six month break from playing a game, then played this and I felt lost all over again. Yeah. Um, because in some folders, there's three things. In some folders, there's 20 things. Agreed. And it can just be a lot to navigate. Yeah. Zach, where do we land on our second room for improvement? Yeah, I would say it's signposting. Now, I'm going to be very upfront. I think signposting this game is mostly fine. I think it's going to unfortunately go back more to like the Google Drive format of it because the issue becomes is that you have a bunch of mini objectives, right, that you have to solve before you can get your final answer to complete the game. Now, in most of the notes that are in the small folders of each, I'm going to call it mini quest, there are signposting yes but then the issue goes as we were kind of bringing up with just how the format of the game works you have to click away from it and go somewhere completely else where it isn't there anymore to help you keep like track of the signposting if it was easier to see the signposting being on the same file as the thing you're kind of working with that would be awesome i think in just my opinion but there are a few puzzles where there is no signposting it is kind of more on you to make the the connection. Yes. And some of them aren't that bad. You know, like we, we caught a lot of them, but then there were some, I was like, how was I supposed to even know that that's the connection it, or, or literally it's not, it's just like a logic thing. It goes, okay, just figure it out. And you're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> and I would say this is more true again of the nine and 10 game. That oh we played. yeah. One, two and three. It wasn't really this, like there might've been like one that I remember specifically yes. like in, I think three. three yeah. But Nine and 10 definitely had, I would say, probably a handful that I could remember of these types of moments. And it's funny to me, too, because we could have talked about this a little bit earlier, but you're looking at things on your table that are locked. Yes. Right. And in an escape room, that's kind of how you're judging your progress, at least in, you know, when escape rooms were mostly locks. Yeah. You're sitting here thinking, okay, I've got six locks left. In you escape, you should be afraid of less locks because it means that your folders are way more dense because game one of you escape has, I believe, four locks and you it paces pretty evenly between them. Yep. Colors one had one lock and we should have known going into that what that meant for us. And then I think colors 10 had one lock as well, but it was also a different style of lock yes. than I was not. I was anticipating. <laughs> we, were not a, we were not prepared, but I just think that's really funny. But yes, I, I felt like the signposting, 
And again, signposting can be a way to increase difficulty, but we felt like there was a couple of instances, I think more so in Colors 2, yeah. that the signposting, we just needed a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, for number three is, this is, this is tough because I know this isn't an emphasis, but one of our mantras at Puzzling Companies is, if you give us it, we're going to talk about it. And that's narrative in these games. Yep. The narrative does not really drive anything. It is more theme yep. than story. And the puzzles do follow suit very well in theme, but they kind of fall into that second tier of kind of what we've talked about in the past where there's bottom level is just puzzles for buzz puzzle's sake. That stage two where we're getting better is themed puzzles. And then that that kind of upper echelon top of the pyramid world is where the puzzles are driving your narrative and there's a close marriage between those things. Everything at U-Escape is definitely kind of in that second tier. They are really great puzzles. Mind-bending puzzles in some things, which Nick, I think, just kind of trolls the internet finding these websites that nobody else knows about. And I'm yep. super impressed by that. And some of them are just really, really, really cool. But that's kind of where they exist at. And the narrative you get a little bit of narrative at the beginning. You get a little bit of narrative every time you open up a folder, but it doesn't hold a whole lot of meaning. Is that fair? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it literally is intro gives you the basic of the story. Every time you order up a, a like a major folder, it gives you a two sentence yes. introduction. And then let's say there's only one of those. And then there's the, like the end of the game. There's a good and bad ending. I will say they do give you like a narrative difference between the two, but it is another like, it's a paragraph. It goes, okay, like in this one, it's like you you proved the, like to the kids that you could do it and you could be their teacher. And you're like, wow, uh, do I really want to be the teacher to these kids who made me go through like an hour and a half, like two hours worth of puzzles that are insane? Probably not. I'd probably just make them, I'll, you know what? I leave. I'm going to quit that job. <laughs> that. What makes this more interesting for me is, so like we said, we've known Nick for about two years. And you hear Nick's voice as kind of the narrator. Yeah. And for us as Americans, it is this very rich, deep, baritone-esque Greek voice. And I've told Nick on numerous occasions, like, will you just read me a bedtime story? <laughs> like, I would just, I would just thoroughly enjoy that. Like, I think Nick could be a millionaire opening up a Twitch stream in which he's just reading. Like, he could be a voiceover type of person. <laughs> like, I enjoy his voice that much. Like every time we have a Zoom business call, I'm very excited beyond just getting to talk to a quality human being. It's like every time I just think that. So it, it feels like you already have the voice talent there to tell a good narrative, but it's just not the focus of what you escape is. But again, it is something that they throw in there. So we're going to talk about it as a place where we feel like there could be room for improvement to make the narrative better, to tie it in more closely where the puzzles are moving forward the narrative. And that's all that we really have, Zach. Any closing thoughts? No. I, I mean, I really enjoyed these experiences. I've enjoyed 1, 2, and 3, and I enjoyed 9 and 10. It was a lot of fun being able to play with you, and I am excited to potentially see what future installments have. Yeah, I am too. And just so you know, now, not it hasn't always been this way, but now three of his games are public. You can book those on his website. But the majority of his games, you have to join Patreon in order to get in that. And I think price-wise, this is one of the most reasonable prices of all time for an online live game master. You're If you're in the Patreon, you're paying $30 a month. You get to play one game a month. And that's a steal. Like, I, I just really think it is. Like, um, again, jaded, a little bit biased because, yes, we do have a business relationship. But money, <laughs> money. Uh, but uh, even I think even if Nick and I did part ways one day, I would still look back on that and say, like, that was a deal. Like, I, I'm personally still signed up as a Patreon member and enjoy to play these. I just think it's there's a lot of value there. Yeah. That is going to wrap us up for section one. We got puzzles to the people coming at you next. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for puzzles to the people. Jared here from Puzzling Company. Super excited to tell you that after months of deliberation, Zach and I have decided that murder mystery games are the ultimate at-home puzzle and mystery experience. Were you talking to like Zach Alphanakis? Because it clearly wasn't me. I would say that escape room style games are superior than murder mystery games. Well, Zach, lucky for you, I'm willing to meet you halfway. 
How about we play a deadbolt game? I could, I could agree with that. If you don't know what a deadbolt game is, you should head over to deadboltmysterysociety.com. They have so many different options. Thrilling games, scary games, games that are child appropriate. They're wonderful for beginners as well as the more advanced players. You can go over there right now and use code PUZZLINGCOMPANY, all one word, and get 20% off your next box. Welcome back to Puzzling Company, here again live in the Deadbolt Mystery Society studio. If you've never played a Deadbolt game, you need to pick one up. Lots of options, really cool games. And as we'll talk about more in the future, they just exist at a really cool intersection of gaming that we think is a great place to start if you've never played an at-home puzzler mystery game before. But here in our second section, we do a lot of things. We talk reviews. We talk more in-depth and look at the intricacies of the puzzle world. And my favorite part of this whole section is Zach never knows what we're talking about until it goes live. Yeah. Uh, And uh, it really puts him on the spot. He's got cat-like reflexes when it comes to the in-depth puzzle discussions that we have, and I like testing those. Yes, (laughs) I totally do. Cat-like. So, Zach, today I want to talk about game mastering. Okay. Because for the longest time we haven't been able to because it's not really a thing in the non-online world. You get the box delivered to your door, you got hints, but... Yeah, I think the last time we talked about any version of Game Mastering was specifically our episode four of season two, which was uh, Dracula's New Friends. Yes. We talked about it a little bit. Yes. But that's I think that's literally the only time we've brought in that conversation at all. Well, I want to talk about it now because we've kind of seen both flavors of it now. Yeah. We have seen the Game Master that is imbibed in the story that has meaning to us and is really good. And, and then with You Escape, we've seen someone who is equally as customer friendly, equally as excellent, but it's more of that traditional escape room. Talk to me when you need me. Otherwise I'm going to be a quiet force in the background. Yeah. Not very present. What do you think of those two styles? Do you have a preference? Shoot from the hip. What are your thoughts on those first two questions? I mean, there's a lot of differences between the two, but I think a lot of it ends up being on the style of game you create. I think in you escape the quiet helper i'm gonna call it role that is the game master is needed i think they because the game is not narrative based really at all and it is more of a puzzle hunt slash escape room style because you know you do have your game master almost be like an at like an like an avatar for you in the game where they can interact with the stuff on the table for you right i just think it works well because they are there just to help now, if the game had more narrative and was more narrative-based, I think that that game master would have to fit into the narrative more or at least be a character or whatever it needs to be. But I think in how it functions right now where it's less about narrative, but it's like, oh, this is just a puzzle hunty like escape room game and this is just like a traditional game master. I think it works. You know, like as an example with Beth who, who hosted our game 9 and 10, I think one of the things that I am intrigued the most about that style as someone who's done game mastering in terms of like escape rooms myself, like it's that fun element that I think you get to have more interaction with the customer in this style game than you do in an escape room. Cause you get to have more personal talks with them and get to know them and understand their style of the game while in an escape room, it's like I introduce myself to them at the beginning of the game. They play the game. I see them at the end. That's basically my whole relationship with the customer other than introducing myself at the beginning. You know, so I think what was really cool is that like Beth, you know, I could tell from like, obviously she knew us, but I could tell from how she played or how she assisted in the game that she really caught on to how we wanted to play the game and our style and really like adapted to it, Yes, which is really big because it literally can carry the game. It covers all the things that we liked about the game. It covers things that we potentially had like things we didn't like about the game. I didn't care about as much because I knew that Beth in the scenario helped us with them and it was really well done. Now, the opposite being, let's say, one who is narratively based. I know we talked about Jeremy with the Dracula's New Friends is like that character where they are narratively bridged into it, but they also do help. Um, But they're less involved in terms of the puzzles on their screen. They are more of just a character that is like a game master helping out. I really like that. It makes perfect sense in terms of that game because it is more of a narrative rich experience in terms of the game revolves around the character that is on the screen turning the zoom calls, you know, so that matters a lot, you know, while in this game, the zoom part matters 
or in Uscape, the zoom part matters, but it matters about the table and not the game master. It is the information on the table. It's the, the things you can move, stuff like that. So they're both different in their own ways and both very good for what they need to do. I think at the end of the day, it just matters on the objective of the game and what they're trying to get you to do. I think if it is more narrative based where characters matter in terms of helping you solve narrative or puzzles, then a Dracula's new friend style with a game master that is playing roles, interacting with the customer matters a lot. Yes. And then a new escape, having someone who is more like a friendly helper, you know, and can adapt to each player's style is needed. I think that's a really good point because I, if I'm being honest, I think the concept of the live actor in an online situation is just very fresh. Yes. People ran wild with that during kind of the past two years of COVID. And unfortunately, a lot of those games have not survived for various reasons. But yeah, they're going back to in online or right. in, in person. In person. Games. Yeah, in person. In person. Live, like where, where it's acting no matter what you do it. But yeah. I think I just prefer that because of like what we talked about where it does meet. But if you are going the other way, then your customer service has to be through the roof, right? Like it's got to be on point. You've got to know the game inside and out. So I think I still prefer that person that is creatively put in the game. Yeah. Um, but I definitely see the tenets of great game mastering when we played You Escape. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, they both shine. They shine in both for different reasons at the time. But they both matter a lot. I just think, like you said, I think game mastering just matters a ton when it becomes a live experience because it is all on them. Like the puzzles could be fun, but if my game master wasn't attentive, didn't care about like enjoy like getting to I wouldn't say they have to get to know me, but like knowing how I want to play and you know, being able to help with good hints, then the experience starts dropping dramatically. If Beth was, you know, was our game master and we were playing through it and she wasn't paying attention at all and we kept asking a million times for help and then she didn't know where we're at, that game insta dies for me. Yeah. <laughs> In my opinion, just because the game revolves around that person knowing where we are at every time, but then also like knowing, especially also if they didn't know how to like run the game because it really matters when it comes to the table element. Kudos to both those styles of games, especially if you can have really good game masters run those. I think that's really great points. Now I want to, I want to talk to you because you've been a game master for what, six years, six consecutive years now. Yeah. You and probably our other longtime six year game runner, Abby, our manager, you guys are probably some of, I'd say in the top 10 to 15% experienced game masters based on like your resume. So I'm interested to pick your brain a little bit. If you would give me your, top two, like these are the things that experienced game masters do that non-experienced game masters are not doing. And then what are the two things that you've learned over the years? Like you, you just absolutely cannot do these two things. I definitely think that I am not the greatest game master in the world. I'll make that very clear, but I do very much enjoy game mastering. It is a fun thing for me to get to watch groups struggle, but also being the like angel on their shoulder, helping guide them through the experience and have a great time. It's just a very fun experience. Now, what I will say, I think one of the first things that you have to be able to do is adapt. Games, as much as we create, you know, like at Murphy Escape Rooms, you know, we have how the game is supposed to function, how things are going to go, how the group you think should play the game. If they're new, not played a long time, you have like a set schedule in your head of like, this is how the game is going to function. Things go wrong. Groups don't play the way you think they're going to. I think adapting is just the number one priority for anyone or improv. It is insane the amount of times I've had to fix things that go wrong, how many times that the group I have does something differently than I expect, especially early on, being able to adapt to like play around them or how the group's like attitude is. That's one of the first things I really always do when I have a group is when I meet them in the lobby, because sometimes I'm like the manager and I'll like, I'll get them settled in and then I'll run the room is... I'll talk to them, see what their attitude's like, their vibe, as some would say, you know, and get to know them. And I'll be like, okay, I can tell this is a group that has played before, has a good attitude about it. I can see how they're going to probably play. I know how talkative they are, and I'm going to adapt around them to make sure that I can give them the best experience that I can within the normal rules of how we we game master at Escape Rooms. 
right? Because it's not like I'm a character actor where I get to talk to him a lot throughout the game, except for one of our games, we do have an element where I get to personally talk to them as like the hint system. But in the other games, it is just presenting on like a, a TV screen using our program. So being able to adapt is huge. I think the second thing that you will need to have for good game mastering is customer service. It has to be the number one, I almost would say it's number one more than adaptability. You just have to be able to interact with people. It's so important to be able to introduce yourself well, be able to make the customers feel like they're about to enjoy an amazing experience, have the, um, I'm going to say voice actory style of knowing how to present the game, how to talk to them, how to go throughout the experience and make it feel more immersive in the ways I deal with things. One of the things that I love doing is I always try to add, if I ever, we, we very much try never to go in the room. That is the last resort ever if anything goes wrong. One of my favorite things, though, is if it ever happens, I have in one of our rooms, I have a little bird thing in our in our storage space that I pull out and I bring it into as a character to play with me as I'm trying to fix a certain element in our blind pig room. Because I think it's something small, but everyone laughs or at least gets a kick out of it. It's that small thing that makes people go, that's a fun way of like dealing with a problem without it, me being like, hey, I'm here to fix this. You know, and I walk in the room on my ladder and I go, okay. And then I leave and they're like, wow, this game kind of like stinks or it seems like the game master doesn't want to be here. I try to sell it as much as possible that I am there to give them the best experience as possible, but also they know I'm a friend. Not in terms of like, you don't go too friendly with them, but they know like Zach's going to get me through this experience and I, and I will. I, I, I love those things a lot. I think those are great. The one thing that I picked up on that I would just reiterate is when I was game mastering and when I was doing it for you escape and for a while now as well, what vibe is this group? Like, are they looking for the excited person that wants to joke with them? Are they very chill are they the group that wants hints without asking yep. as much as I can get from non-communicative el elements, like just reading the individual good game masters can read their group and intrinsically know this is how I'm going to operate this game. I think that's great. What are your big two no-nos then? I will tell you this as someone who has managed our escape room as well. When we have new employees this is the thing I get on people the most is monotone voicing. I despise when people tr do not bring any enthusiasm into the job. It's a very fun job. You get to watch people play an escape room. You get to be the helper. You get to literally be the, I'm going to like the cue to 007. You get to be the guy who knows everything and help people. It's just fun. And nothing makes me more frustrated than seeing people do intros and they go, welcome to Murphy's escape rooms. This is the blind pig. Now, I'm going to tell you the story of how the blind pig works. You are now trying to join the mob. That's it. And I'm like, wow, that is the most pathetic intro I've ever heard in my life. Please say literally anything else with any enthusiasm. You know, even if you have to fake it, obviously everyone is different. We have some amazing people that work with us at Murphy's Escape Rooms, and a lot of them really do a good job of having that enthusiasm. Some of them don't, but what I will tell you is that they do a great job of making it work for the five minutes they need to. Yeah. And that, that's all you need. You don't have to be like, I'm not the most uh, outgoing extroverted person you will ever meet. I'm probably the opposite. What? I know. But at work, I throw that out there because I know that's what it's for. Like, you just have to know when you need to be the, I'm, I'm going to say the extrovert, but like know when to have emotion and enthusiasm and the pride to really carry it. Because at the end of the day, if I get a good review saying Zach was my room host and he helped us through this, or if I, at the end of the game, you know, like they clearly go like, thanks Zach for your help. And they remember my name. I did it. No matter if I got the good review or not, I know that they remembered my experience at least that day, maybe the next day they'll forget me, but, <laughs> but for that day, you're a hero. Yeah. And then the final thing I would say for what you just can't do is you can't be, and this is kind of just to go with my like, it's hard because this is something that I think is a, is a good thing. And then obviously the opposite is bad. It's just, you can't be non-adaptable. It, it sounds really dumb because I know I, I talked about adaptability for the like, but there's so many people I have where they expect things to just go the way it's supposed to. They go like, as an example, obviously I have the experience to understand when something goes wrong, how to fix it. Or at least I have the 
the cogwheels turning when I go like, okay, I don't know how to solve this right now, but I can think about it for like five minutes and I'll be able to answer this before the next game starts. Or whenever they get out, I know how to talk to them about it. You know, we have, we'll have some people who they'll, they'll run the room and they'll get to a certain spot in the game and then they'll just go like, oh, I don't know how to do this help. And you're like, what do you mean? Like, it's not that difficult. Like, what do you mean you need help? And I'm, I'm glad they do ask for help because you, you just do like sometimes I've always appreciated room hosts, especially newer ones when they'll ask me 500 questions than when they ask me none, because nothing is more infuriating when they ask me no questions and they go, Oh, like everything's going wrong. And they're like, and I'm like, okay, what have you done? And they go nothing. <laughs> and you're like, wow, that this is the worst case scenario. All right, let's, you know, and then I have to talk them through them. Do you have to be adaptable? A, a lot of game mastery, in my opinion, is improv. It is being able to on the on the I spot. I think that's true. It, yeah, like I said, so I feel bad that my my like or my thing you should do, my thing you don't do, are literally the same thing but just opposites. Adaptability is just like the number one core thing that you have to have, and if you don't have it, it is the worst thing in an escape room experience. Yeah, no, I I, I think those are great. My mine are a little different. The two things that are big no nos for me, but I think I feel this more as a boss. Sure. And one of them is uh, the delayed responses on hints. Oh, boy. That's a discussion for that is just beyond like we all have the horror stories that we could tell from live games, like in-person games or things with the game master that just very clearly was paying attention to something else, whether that's your Instagramming or there was a fire to put out or like whatever that irritates me. But I think what irritates me more is when something goes wrong. And the employee puts the blame on the room and, oh. and throws the <laughs> and throws the company and oh, the room under the yes. bus. Like when I hear, oh yeah, that breaks all the time. This really isn't that great of a room. Like we like I just get oh. so fired up. Oh my goodness. Wow. It makes me so like just own it. Just own it. Like you're the one running this room. Make, like you said, be adaptable. Make something up. Make them laugh. But you just don't want to look bad. Wow you you just gave me like PTSD to the highest degree <laughs> with that. That I'm so glad that recently we have like I'm going to be honest with our Mercer Escape Room experiences. I'm very happy that we have had less of that. We used to we had a, a little bit of time where we had some of those complaints, and clearly the employees we had that were doing them were doing them. But man, that's hearing employees, especially like if I was man, like when I am managing or if I'm, if I'm there at the store and I hear just someone go like, yeah, like that room just kind of stinks. I'm like, I am, I, I want to punch the wall by them. <laughs> and, I'm, and then my favorite part is that when I get to go, Hey, uh, insert name, can you come to the back with me real quick? And then I get to go, Hey man, you know, I heard what you said. And you know that if I'm talking to you, this is uh, not going to be fun. So then I have to discuss with them not to talking crap about a room when it's their fault. You know, there right. is even if it isn't their fault, well, like you, you, you don't throw the game and the company that you work at under the bus. Nothing's worse than seeing a review. And they're like, yeah, even the room host. Yes. Blamed the, oh. And I was like, boy, who was it? <laughs> Uh, it is, it is just, just the worst. Like I, cause now I know that you care more about yourself oh, agreed. than you do about the job. Like there's just a number of different factors. And again, I'm very jaded to that as someone who owns it. And there is some truth in there. I'm not denying that if the game breaks a lot, it needs to be fixed oh, agreed. and that okay. falls and that falls to whoever's in charge of that. But I have one last Avenue. I want to go with this and then I want to get us to meeting Nick. Cause he's really, really great. But this came off of a recent experience that I had, and all I was thinking is, I wish I had a game master. So in our very first digital episode at the beginning of the year, we talked about what we thought the advantages and disadvantages of all of those were. Yeah. One thing that I did not see coming is when I was playing a video game, mm -hmm. how much I missed the game master. So I told you this the other day. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I've been playing uh, Link's Awakening, the reboot on Switch. It's awesome. But I got into a dungeon scenario, and I could not, for the life of me, figure out what I was supposed to do. And all that was going through my head that entire time was like, hint, like, hint. And there is a small mechanism in that game, but it, it's not. it doesn't keep enough progress of you to accurately sure. tell you what to do. So then I'm enjoying this wonderfully immersive game. And what do I have to do? Google links, awakening, dungeon number two, missing silver key, 
what do I do? Da da da. Waste my time. Read a guide. Figure out what I was supposed to do. Not be happy with really what I was supposed to do. If I'm being honest, and then move on. And it it dawned on me like, why why did I not think about this when we first started talking? Like this is what video games are lacking: is live feedback in difficult moments. You're stuck. Think about Final Fantasy. I know you play Final Fantasy, World of Warcraft, all of our favorite games. You have no other option in a video game but to go to a game guide if you can't move forward. Yeah, you just go on YouTube and look up something. But like, but think about when we were younger. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember, I remember buying the game guides. Yeah, you had things. on so many things if you wanted yeah. to, like, some in some cases beat the game or in some place max out the game, 100% yeah. of game. You had to buy the game Jeez, guide. I remember buying. <laughs> it's so irritating. I remember those times. They were good. And, and some, uh, this is not true of all video games. A lot of video games out there, they have way, like I'm thinking Mario Odyssey. Yep. There's a system built into that to tell you and give you great nudges to exactly what you're missing. Yeah. I have not found that to be the case in Link's Awakening so far. I can but, tell. but man, I'm just like, what an asset you have when you have somebody in live time that in seconds can point you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of these games are timed, so you're kind of required to that, whereas video games are not. I get that. But I was just so distraught that I didn't have a game master. Like, Navi, where are you at? Like, throw, yeah. throw, throw me a hint. But I, I was just processing that, and I really liked that because it's enriching all of these conversations that we're getting to have. Yep. Just don't get us started on another Game Master rant. I feel like there's a lot of you listeners out there that could uh, join us. And I will say this. If you're listening out there, send us an email with your worst Game Mastering story. I want to hear that. That would actually be hilarious. Next episode, if we get enough of them, I want to, at the beginning of this section, revisit that and have a good laugh. But I would love to hear whether it's an online game, in any type of game where you've had a Game Master... I would love to hear what your worst game master experience, whether you are a game master or you are someone whose game master didn't live up, but don't want to waste any more time here. We're going to go to questions for creators. Be back in a second. There are some really awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is questions for creators. Jared here again, asking you to keep your eyes peeled this month for your chance to join our email list. Signing up will grant you access to our Puzzles Almanac, which will be emailed to you quarterly. This almanac houses the latest in games, reviews, and discounts to all the games that you love. Additionally, anyone that signs up will automatically get three free digital games to enjoy with your friends and family. Keep those eyes peeled, Puzzling Company. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are now in the final section of the show that is questions for creators. As a reminder, we are in the Deadbolt Mystery Society studio today. Um, If you've not played a Deadbolt Mystery Society game, you definitely should. Now, in this part of the episode, what we like to do is we get to ask amazing questions for amazing creators. And the person that we've talked about a lot on the show is the person we'll be uh, getting to talk to today. He runs all the roles. He is creator, game master, puzzle guardian extraordinaire. Oh, wow. That's a title. That's a title. I wish I had that title. That's a cool title. <laughs> oh, we've just learned you're like six-year game master elite. Like, yeah. it's another level. Oh, yeah, I'm up get, there. Okay. You're, you're up there. And then, like, puzzle. Like, we should develop a cast system. That seems healthy. That'd be interesting. That yeah. seems healthy. I needed a high rank. <laughs> yeah, high rank. Oh man, but yes, yeah, so we're gonna. We don't want to say too much about this person. We've already said their name enough, but uh, let's get to meet this lovely person. So, tell us your name, a little bit about your company, and its origin story. My name is uh, Nick Vanikiotis. Thank you very much for uh, having me here, Jaren and Zach. Well, the origin story of U Escape. U Escape kind of started as a side project around of, uh, three or four years ago. And uh, I didn't really know how it would evolve, how it would grow. I have created, let's say, some sort of prototype. It was it was like uh, the, the first part of, of Magnum Opus, the very first game. And uh, I've tried to go and play this with friends, see their reactions, see their inputs. And uh, gradually, uh, I, I saw that it has a potential uh, to maybe become like um, uh, a full 60-minute escape room, become a game that uh, people would uh, enjoy. And uh, I tried to expand it, and uh, I've made the first uh, two or three games 
they were all of them ready before even I reached out to people to play Escape, etc. So the first uh, three games were al- already complete and they've been tested. I've played with, I don't know, like uh, maybe 10 teams, something like that. So I had input. Then I reached out to reviewers. Uh, I reached out uh, to Room Escape artists. I've reached out to uh, some, some other reviewers, big and small, lots of them. Well, some kind of uh, did not answer, some kind of declined, others accepted, two or three accepted. Uh, because, okay, it was, it was a different thing. They weren't like online escape rooms back then. They were standard escape rooms. It was kind of outside of their expertise, maybe. It, maybe it wasn't something that they didn't even, even know what to expect. But uh, some uh, accepted, and that's how it kind of started taking shape. So the reviewers played, and uh, then um, after they played, they posted the review. A few players uh, joined, uh, and uh, the people uh, that played, uh, you know, uh, maybe told uh, about this uh, to, to other uh, players, and that's how it kind of began to grow. And also there was the, the Slack group back then. It was a Slack group with escape room enthusiasts. Now it's been transferred, let's say, to, to, to a Discord channel. But I hosted some sort of a free online uh, uh, U-Escape event, kind of a competition event. And that's when a lot of people had the chance to play. And uh, there are still players from that time that are still uh, playing uh, U-Escape. And uh, yeah, that's that's lovely. Like, uh, I, I, I know people for three years, maybe even four at this point. So yeah, that's uh, that, that's lovely because um, the nature of, of this game is like I, I, I try to create one game per month. Now, uh, between you and me, this doesn't happen as faithfully as it should. Uh, it used to be like always one new game per month. Now, okay, it's more uh, a few months. But uh, the idea was that a team would play the game. Then if they wanted to continue and play more, they would stay, they would play more, and would go game by game by game, etc. So right now there are uh, 17 games uh, that are uh, currently, uh, you know, uh, ready to be played. So yeah, that's, uh, that's how U-Escape uh, evolved. Nick, we know you usually have like your patron, and that's how you sign up to be able to play the games and set up everything. Well, you recently, I know you have public games, so people can just book it online. You know, it's pretty pretty available for most people to see. Why did you decide to, one, make the public games, but what's kind of the difference between the two? Why did you like doing the Patreon route first, and then why have you kind of decided to do the public route? Patreon, as you know, it's a membership platform. The teams uh, will will join. They will pay like uh, the standard thirty dollar fee, uh, and they they're able to to join. Like up to ten players join a game. Okay, uh, and the, the Patreon, since it's a membership platform, they will either have to unsubscribe from Patreon or they will stay, get uh, charged again, and play next month. Okay, this is this is like uh, the standard Patreon model. Now the idea with the public uh, bookings that has been. Uh, implemented uh, like um, for the past uh, few months is that there, there was a specific segment of people that didn't uh, want to subscribe to Patreon. Uh, maybe they had um, like, um, they didn't really like uh, the idea that this is sort of a, a subscription. Well, of course, you can just play once and quit, like no, no strings attached, no penalty at all or something like that. Uh, but it, maybe they didn't like the idea. And uh, the public booking system, uh, okay, they, they, they were they were more, uh, let's say, happy uh, to go for it. Also, it's it was more, it was better for, let's say, some organizations, some companies, some people that uh, wouldn't uh, go for more than one game, uh, likely, or maybe they didn't want to, you know, go th- through, through Patreon. Uh, they didn't want to understand how it works. And it's just what it a single booking and uh, be done easily. So that's why the booking, uh, the, the public booking platform emerged. Although, okay, of course, someone does have the option to, to switch to Patreon. It also, you know, uh, public booking is kind of uh, more expensive compared to Patreon. It's the same experience. So uh, one thing that we see is someone goes for the public booking and then since they played the game, they enjoyed it, they can uh, switch to Patreon and keep on playing uh, the games at a reduced price. Nick, I just think you, as someone that you've trained, I think you do an excellent job in training game masters. I think you yourself are a good game master. What is the secret sauce of of being a game master in your opinion? Like if you had to give some advice to other people out there that are trying to be better game masters, what do you think they need to focus on? 
The thing that I feel it's very important for game mastering any sort of game, uh, from uh, an escape room to a pen and paper game to anything that requires some sort of game mastering, is to kind of feel the players kind of walk in their shoes, kind of uh, get into their way of thinking, and go with what what they would love to see, what they would uh, they, they would love to to experience. So an important part of game mastering is to step into their shoes, uh, get a feel of what they want, and uh, this in combination with what would you personally enjoy. What would you personally enjoy to experience? Would you personally enjoy to solve? So when you are playing a game that you yourself would love, I think that makes you such uh, a better game master. If you really love the game you're hosting, if you would love to, because uh, you will kind of be in, um, you will know how the players feel. You will get uh, the vibe. You will, uh, you will uh, excite. You will be, you will be excited when it's an exciting mode payment. You will become excited yourself if you love uh, the game and if this the sort of puzzle that you love uh, solving and love playing. So being a good game master is a combination of having a, a clear idea of uh, what the players love. And also it's important to host some sort of experience that you love yourself and you can uh, get into that experience yourself. So I think a combination of the two uh, usually amounts uh, for uh, a great game master. Nick, this is a question I would have for you if I didn't know you. I think this is the question that most people have when they play a U-Escape. Where in the world do you find the websites that you use? I know even Beth had made a comment that you've created the Nicternet. What I tried to do was to find interactive websites, like numerous interactive websites. I tried to actively search for those websites. So I would go, I, I would search keywords like interactive, like uh, certain certain uh, simulations, certain keywords that would usually uh, lead to some sort of interactive uh, website. And I would also scout uh, certain uh, articles, certain websites that kind of listed interactive websites to, for, for different kinds of reasons. Some for uh, more professional work, others for leisure, others for several, several things. So there is a, an uh, overwhelming uh, amount of bookmarks in my computer with interactive websites. So that's the first step. I scout the internet for uh, interactive websites without having anything really in mind while I do this. So yeah, there is the list of all those interactive websites. And then comes the creation of a new escape room. Uh, during that process, I go through the list of uh, in interactive websites and I think which one of those uh, could be used uh, for the game and or, or, or thematically which kind of fits uh, for the game. So I kind of uh, have some sort of sorted, uh, sorted those, uh, not too much, but they're kind of sorted maybe. And uh, when uh, when uh, there is uh, the puzzle uh, creation, let's say, aspect going on, I go through all those bookmarks and I try to find something that fits. That's one thing. The other thing is that when uh, there is already a certain concept in mind and I Google things, I search for things uh, around this concept and again searching for interactive websites that could somehow be related uh, to that thing. So it's 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 a lot of uh, I'm using my time to search for websites that could potentially be used and uh, yeah there are lots of websites that I believe that a lot of a lot of people are having if if they have some sort of Google Analytics uh, they should be <laughs> suddenly four or five uh, random players maybe from different countries all together in their website which up until po this point had like zero visitors or it was another thing sometimes the website uh, go down and uh, either I use archive to you know hopefully they have some sort of backup or I will email the developers that has happened uh, sometimes and I will email the developers and when they get an email from someone that uh, wishes to bring their website uh, back and uh, in their mind their website was totally unused like they're, they're really happy they they do everything they can to restore it back to life like immediately and uh, yeah that's uh, that's very interesting okay this this is a question a little bit out of uh, insecurity maybe even potentially a humble brag on how you answer this but when I first started doing escape rooms I trained myself to be a game master and run it as a business owner but then when the pandemic hit and I started working for you, you trained me to be a game master. And I guess my question is, would you say that I was a good game master? 
you were uh, absolutely uh, were uh, a great uh, game master and not only that i actually draw also inspiration from you there were some things uh, that you know I, i really enjoyed the way you did them and i assimilated uh, some some of those my own so yeah 10 out of 10 nick i'm not sure if you're just trying to be nice to jared because you guys have been business partners but i could debate that a little bit nick the question i actually have for you is There have been, I know you've said, I think, 17 games you have for Uscape. And there's tons of them. I know I've only been able to play like five of them. But can you kind of tell us how many games are currently in existence? Kind of some of the themes about them, like if you're trying to sell them. But then also, can you tell us what's in the future for Uscape? I have to say that Uscape, the theme aspect and the story aspect, usually has, uh, let's say, second priority. Definitely the first priority is, is the puzzle solving aspect. So for people who want the, the more immersive story aspect to, for, for their entertainment, yeah, Uscape doesn't really. It's more for, for, definitely more for the puzzle aspect and the puzzle solving. So it's very common to, to have some sort of concept and some story progressing, but then a website that's totally out of uh, the scenario will, will emerge there that it cannot uh, for any reason be connected to the story but okay that's just, just normal everyday you escape things okay now the concept there are a few games uh, let me actually open the list uh, and make sure I won't miss anything there are some games that are uh, more thematically coherent compared to others let's see Uh, well, uh, the third uh, escape, uh, le- electromagnetic fields, uh, you are in the submarine and uh, there are uh, some sort of uh, interactions there, both with the physical props and with the websites that I feel, you know, th- they make an interesting uh, theme. Uh, most, most of the themes, most of the themes, I think, yeah, uh, there are lots of unusual themes because um, since escape, it's not really focused on the theme, I can go, we, we can go with like kind of semi-random things and make it work because if we want to, you know, go hard on themes and make them work right, it, it wouldn't go because there were, there are kind of random themes. But okay, you escape uh, three electromagnetic fields. Yeah, it, there is um, the, the theme, um, you know, it, it works for this one. You escape 13, a, a twist of time. That's also very interesting thematically uh, because Most of the websites have something to do either with time travel or uh, some sort. There is a combination of time travel and art and paintings and stuff like that. And almost all of those websites revolve around time, maybe, or maybe art. There are some puzzles that are kind of not related. But uh, yeah, I think three and 13, maybe those as far as the theme and the story goes, I think they, they work uh, better. And uh, as uh, for uh, the future, well, now the next game, it will be a murder mystery. Uh, the idea is that every six games, a new murder mystery will be made. So game six was a murder mystery. Game 12 was a murder mystery, different mechanics. Game six was more interactive. You have an, a non-player character, let's say, in the story that you interacted with and you made questions and they would answer you. Uh, game 12 was more of a Cluedo-esque uh, approach. And uh, game 18 will again be a murder mystery, again with some sort of uh, unique mechanic. So the next uh, thing you escape is, is currently working on is a murder mystery. And I have to say that the murder mystery games are by far the games that require the most time to be created uh, and beta tested. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think they are, they are very tricky. But yeah, murder mystery it is. The last question we ask everybody just because we think it's so important for creators to talk positively about other creators. What else have you been playing lately? I know you've been where you are in Athens, pretty locked down pretty tightly for the last little bit. So video games, board games, other online or at-home puzzle and mystery games, what would you recommend to our listeners? Well, lately I've uh, been playing uh, a lot of board games So the board game I've uh, played the most and really enjoyed, uh, it's called Codenames. It's uh, okay, I can, I can see uh, that uh, your facial expression says that you've played it or uh, love it, etc. So yeah, b- I definitely recommend uh, anyone to, with a group of, uh, well, ideally I think uh, six players, maybe even eight, try this game out. It's very entertaining and it's uh, great. What I really appreciate about this game is that All kinds of people enjoy it, regardless of uh, 
of uh, what they usually do for uh, enjoyment, regardless of what games or what uh, it's 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 like universally universally enjoyable. Uh, all people love it, even people who love casual games, even people who hate casual games and and, and uh, prefer like more complex game. Both of those, uh, let's say, you know, uh, both ends really seem to love code names. So if you haven't already checked it, it's a lovely group activity, six to eight players. You should definitely check it out. Thank you very much for this uh, lovely uh, opportunity to talk to you and, uh, you know, answer your questions. You escape uh, will uh, continue to make new games. So everyone who feels that they want to be challenged uh, uh, as far as uh, puzzle solving goes, feel more than welcome to come and try you escape. Nick, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank just you, thank you. As a colleague, as a business partner, as a friend, I just really value you. And I'm hoping that I can con you into coming to Recon in August in real life. If you want to play You Escape, which you absolutely should give it a try, especially like Zach said, if you're looking for a challenge, if you're a puzzly person, if narrative isn't the sauce for you, give it a try. You can do that by going to youescape.org. You can actually also book those through our website, murfreesboroescaperooms.com. Go to the online games. You can book it there as well. Um, does not matter where you go to do that. But absolutely check them out. If you have been a past patron or player of You Escape, if you can find a way to leave them some feedback, an email, a review, something like that, that would be super helpful. Because, Zach, I know the same thing is helpful for us. That's a great transition. I completely agree. There are many different ways you can actually help us out. Um, one is giving us feedback. You can go to wherever you listen to this podcast and leave us a review. Leave us a five-star review. You know, Leave a comment saying what you enjoy about the show, what you kind of think should be different. You can contact us at our email, which is contact at puzzlingcompany.com. There you can send us an email saying whatever you'd like. If you want to have a discussion about something that we talked about on the show, you want to tell me that I'm better than Jared. That's true. Jared, Fair. or say, Jared, you're a terrible game master. Yeah, you can tell him the truth. Put it's me okay. on blast. I get it. Yeah, I get it. for <laughs> sure. Uh, you can do that. But the other things you can do is you can follow us on social media. So you can go to you can go to Facebook and go to Puzzling Company, or you can go to Instagram at Puzzling Company. Follow us on there. See posts for when new episodes are live, as well as potentially other things coming in the future. And the last thing you can do, which I love, you can go support us on Patreon. We have three different tiers you can sign up for. You can see all of the benefits for each of those on there. Join our Discord through that. Be able to have some fun conversations with us and play some games. Yeah, and I've, I've really enjoyed the members that we've had so far. We're having good conversations. We're getting to play games together. And then there are those who just want to get the podcast early and listen to it and support us um, at that lowest tier. Man, I just appreciate everybody that's done that so far. It's really meant the world. So thank you to our current ones. And especially... Ben is our core supporter right now. Yep. Ben Rosner. Shout out to him. Thank you so much for supporting us the way that you do month to month. That's really going to wrap us up this week. Zach, do you know what we have going on next week? I think if I'm not mistaken, we are going to be playing Escape Room in a Box. Yes. And Crimes and Capers. Yes. It is a blockbuster episode next week, everyone. The Wild Optimists are coming back to talk about both of their new series, which are both just really unique, cool takes. We love, 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 love talking to them. They are a wealth of information and some of the front runners in our industry as creators go. Mm -hmm. Super excited to get to have them back. Be sure to check that out next week. Zach, I've enjoyed it. Same. I'll see you next week. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.